Super Talk Mississippi media production. He's the former president and publisher of the Sun-Herald, and now he's on the radio. Welcome to Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome to Coast View, the show that celebrates the men and women who are making Coastal Mississippi such an amazing place to live, work, and play. If you listen to this show regularly, you know that I constantly talk about the thousand points of light here in coastal Mississippi. These are the many dedicated people who are, who are working tirelessly. They're really amazing. And the work that they're doing in the community to build a better place to live, work, and play. And when you combine the work of all these individuals, these people who are doing, going out of their way to make a difference, when you combine their efforts in the community, there's really nothing we can't accomplish. There's no limit to what we can accomplish. And um, I think probably the best, you know, the best evidence I can give you of that is what happened after Hurricane Katrina. I think most people who would have come in here after Hurricane Katrina and seen the aftermath, they might have potentially thrown their hands up. But no, not us. I mean, it's a, as I say all the time, resiliency is in our DNA. We know how to bounce back, and uh, you know we just got on with the program as soon as uh, as soon as the storm was over. I was reminded as I prepared for today's show. I was reminded of a quote that I always loved from from Mother Teresa, where she wisely observed, "I alone cannot change the world, but I can cast a, a stone across the waters, create many ripples." If you talk to someone in the community who really cares deeply about the community, who's giving a lot of their time and energy, they know, they know that certainly their, their effort is going to make a difference, but to the extent that they, which they can touch other people and cause a ripple, you know, that's, that's how you get community. That's how all these people come together in community and make a big difference. It also reminded me of one of my favorite quotes from Coretta, Coretta Scott King, who said this, the greatness of a community community is most accurately measured by the compassionate actions of its members. And uh, we, you know, we saw that after Hurricane Katrina. And more recently, we saw that after the uh, after the cold spell. All these people coming together to help the vulnerable in our community, especially the homeless community. It's just amazing to watch that happen. Um, the recent death, tragic death of Lee Brumfield, who was walking his dog on the beach on the boardwalk in Gulfport and was hit by a car that had just veered off of Highway 90 prompted me to want to dive deeper into the bike and pedestrian safety issue here on the beach. And as I, as I did some research, I discovered one of my dear friends was doing important work in that area. So I invited Cindy Walker to join me to, in Coast View today. Uh, I would describe her as one of the beams of, of the thousand points of light here in coastal Mississippi. Cindy, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing great. How about you? I'm doing great. So let me, let me remind people. You were, just so they have a sense of why I say a beam of one of the thousand points of light, you were uh, the executive director of the Lynn Meadows Discovery uh, uh, Center, the music, Children's Museum here in coastal Mississippi. You were the uh, founder and CEO of the South Mississippi uh, Pre-K Forward Early Childhood Initiative. You were the executive, or CEO, of the United Way of uh, South uh, Mississippi. Uh, you're more recently a uh, community development consultant, which you've been doing since 2018. And, and the reason why I found you, not that I didn't know who you were already, but the reason why we connected on this particular subject is that you are the chair of the Harrison County 
active living initiative and you have been that since 2017 so you know when you hear my quotes when you hear especially the one from mother Teresa, i cannot i can I, I alone cannot change the world but i can cast a stone across the waters to create many ripples when you hear that it hits home with you doesn't it definitely does um you know ricky i'm, I'm a cancer survivor and many times i've said i don't know why i was left here to do work because it was a very aggressive situation. But because I was, I don't want to miss an opportunity to make my world around me better. And if it's to simply lift up others who are doing the different type of work, then I want to lift them. If it is get in there and put my shoulder beside theirs, I'm going to do that too. If it makes sense and if it meets those things that I feel like are my core values. And when you when you I, I saw your I saw your expression when I when I talked about when you add up these individuals who are these points of light, when you add them up into community, that's what makes a community. That's what makes what's you know, that's you know, I think coastal community coastal Mississippi may have a unique advantage on a lot of communities because of having faced the worst natural disaster in American history and things like the Bonnie Carey spillway and the algae bloom and the oil, you know, spill and now the pandemic and hurricanes, you know, you know the story, but yeah. we, we are uniquely positioned though, to really understand that in the, and when the going gets tough, we should reach out to our neighbors. You've seen that throughout your life, haven't you? I have. And it's interesting you would say that because that's probably why my heart still lives in Mississippi. Um, I came here just after Katrina and people would say to me, wait a minute, you're moving here? everybody's leaving here and it became pretty obvious quickly that the people who were staying were involved in that feeling that you just described of wanting to be community of working together and seeing where we can move forward from here we had a blank slate we said a lot of times and yet it took lots of hard hours of work from people who cared deeply about this community and in that process of walking in new but then working together, I, I, I love it. In Mississippi, I love the coast, and I can't see myself spending time anywhere else other than when I go see family. So when you go see family in South Carolina, which is where you're from originally, you have a grandchild there. You have another grandchild on the way. I do. Um, what's it been like to kind of try to split the time between the two communities, especially during the pandemic? Um, there's a rhythm that has evolved over time. I've been doing this since 17 or late 17. And what I know is that people do what they want to do. When they want to stay connected, they call each other on the phone or they, in pandemic, we Zoom. Work has been a breeze if I'm away from the coast but during the pandemic because of Zoom, very much like what we do every day in the business world. So. I really feel like it is an easy transition and it may sound strange to other people, but sometimes you have to say, oh, well, <laughs> it works. Well, you know, actually, I don't think it, you know, it might have sound strange at some point, but Kyle and I have talked about this many times, Kyle, the producer of this show, and many of our guests have talked about this. And that is that trends that were in place before the disaster. We saw this after Katrina. Certainly, we've seen this during the pandemic. Trends that were, in play, were sped up after the disaster. So in the case of the pandemic, the, this whole notion of social distancing and, and you know, protecting the vulnerable, and set, et cetera, made us all jump to 
use of technology in ways, you know, we might've been doing some of it before, but man, it's really enabled you know, the economy to continue. It's enabled education to continue. It's, en- it's enabled people like you who are involved in community efforts to continue to do your work as if you're in the room right next door. I, I, I'll give you a quick example. James O'Byrne, who's a Pulitzer Prize winning writer and, and editor who I worked with over in New Orleans, now lives in the countryside of France. And when he's on the show, because he's just a smart guy, and we talk about media and social media and stuff like that. And when he's on the show, our connection from France to you know my studio here at the, my house in Biloxi is sometimes better than you know someone who's on Zoom or Skype, you know, just a few miles away. But it is really incredible the use of technology. And in some ways, your work will never go back to where it was before in terms of how you use technology, will it? I don't think so. I think that we are going to keep those factors that are strong ones and that help do just what you were describing. And the things that have been an issue for us, we'll let those fall away. But um, it is definitely that phrase of the information age where we can really tap around the world with just a keyboard and how great that is for those efforts of trying to work together when we can do that. It's not the same. I like the hugs and the how are you's, but with it, it's still able to keep moving forward. Yeah. Ann and I were watching something the other night, watching a movie. We've watched a lot of movies (laughs) as I'm sure a lot of people have. There's so much content, goodness gracious, so much streaming content. But uh, one of the scenes was a bunch of people inside a bar dancing shoulder to shoulder. And I know that there's probably still some bars that are doing that. They shouldn't be, but they may be. But, but in masses, people aren't doing that. And I think that the, the reality is that even in that kind of a situation, it's going to change. It's going to change <laughs> how willing we are to hug because, you, know? yeah. you know, I'm a kind of a hug or two and I love to shake hands and love to, to, to really converse closely with people, et cetera. But the, the whole pandemic has really kind of changed that. And by the way, one of the things that Dr. Conger talked about last Friday was this. He said that we uh, uh, that the uh, occurrence of just the normal flu has gone down to numbers that they never expected they would ever see. So we're learning some new behaviors that have helped us during the pandemic, but that will, if we continue to deploy them, are going to help us in other ways, in other ways that we don't fully yet appreciate. So what what I want to do, Cindy, when we come back, I want to talk about the tragic accident that happened at the boardwalk in in Gulfport. And... um, you know, Lee's Lee's death, unfortunately, does create an opportunity for us to, to have a conversation about this and why safety and the efforts around that, and especially as it relates to the active living initiative, is something we should be talking about. So when we come back, we're going to have that conversation with Cindy Walker. We'll see you after this break. View on Super Talk 103.1 is brought to you by J. Allen Toyota on I 10 exit 38 Gulfport. See all the incredible inventory at allentoyota.com. And remember, when you think Toyota, think J. Allen Toyota. Talking to the people that help make the coast such a unique place to live. This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coast View. 
Uh, I am so thrilled to have my friend Cindy Walker with me today. And, you know, Cindy, I really enjoyed the conversation that you and I had about the community. And if I had to sort of define Coastview in as crystallized a way as I can, it is that I hope that having the conversations like you and I had in the first segment is an education for those who haven't thought about it much. And for those who have thought about it, it may sort of urge them to go and find the role that they can play. Because as I've often said, you can never have too many volunteers, can you? No, not at all. We're always looking for more, more of, the, of the lights to, to come to be part of the thousand points of light. Well, as I mentioned, <clears throat> the way I came to you, not that I didn't know you well already, but the way I came to you as it relates to this specific conversation. Lee Brumfield's death was just a, a tragic loss for coastal Mississippi. Um, and then his, and, you know, obviously in the memorials, you read and see how many friends he had and how big a difference he was making here in coastal Mississippi. Did you happen to know Lee? I only knew him slightly. I had not spent a lot of time around him, but did know him and know that he was loved by many. Yeah, he, he really was. He really was. But in this case, my goodness, what a tragic accident. And, you know, here's the thing. You know this. I, when I ride my bike, I leave the Northern Shore Back Bay, go down to the Coliseum, and then I hang a left, and I drive down the boardwalk, and I go down to Biloxi's boardwalk behind the restaurants, and I just take it in. And I love that, that bike ride. I'm not taking that bike ride, you know, during this cold weather, but <laughs> I love that bike ride. But I have to tell you, I often think about this. I'm always aware of if a car is coming. Because you know, I don't, I don't ever lull myself into thinking that I'm completely safe. Not frankly, to be honest with you, in the case of Lee's death, I don't think he even knew what hit him. It happened just so rapidly. It just car veered, bam, it was over. But boy, how freak of an accident that was, but that could happen anytime. And uh, this is something you think about a lot. So what's just going into the conversation, what's your thoughts about it in general? Well, let me just add to it that I try to walk between four and six miles a day myself, and it's 99% of the time is out on, on Highway 90. So I'm very familiar with what you're talking about. One of the most important facts that I've hung on to is the statistics of what happens if you get hit by a car. So if you're like 25 miles an hour as a car coming at you, you can survive that. There's probably only about a 20% chance that you're not going to if they hit you. But at 55 miles an hour, there is no chance that you are going to survive that if a car hits you. And when I'm crossing, very much like probably you are, those intersections where there are four lanes you have to navigate, I bet you think about, whoa, where are they and how do I make sure they don't find me? The idea, since I know that fact, makes me even as a driver watch more carefully around those pedestrians because now that I know that information, they may not, but I need to take the responsibility to be careful around it. It is, um, it's a great view. It's one of our greatest resources on the coast is that sand beach across Highway 90 on the south side. But getting to it has a lot of trepidation and many times in this area around the mall and between Lorraine Cowan where we have over well, we have over 14 million tourists a year coming down here. They all have to traverse that space between the north side of Highway 90 and the south side. And you had kids and a dog and equipment for the beach, and we've got a real treacherous potential situation there. Well, we're just fortunate that Namor 
people have not been lost in that situation. I, I, I can't agree more. And I think one of the things in, in, in the case of Lee Brumfield, it was a very, very just freak accident. Right. Okay. So, but you point out that even crossing is a big issue. What I notice when I go to cross is that I wish that more people would do the speed limit. What I have found is that some, a lot of people don't do the speed limit and some of them go really fast <laughs> and what you perceive to be far away. Right. And you start to cross and then suddenly you realize, holy mackerel, that person, they closed the distance between where they were when I first looked and where they are now in such a quick amount of time. Uh, it scared the hell out of me more, yeah. more than once, I might add. Um, so what is what is what is your organization? For, what is the what is the active living initiative? Well, we're looking at, number one, safe pathways, we call them for bike and pedestrian folks to move around the county of Harrison County. Um, Jackson County has already completed a similar process two years ago. They have a plan. We have received money from the Board of Supervisors in Harrison County to actually do a study of where does that need to be? Where are those arteries that people who don't have access to a vehicle because of their economic level need to walk and get to safely things that are important for their life to be sustained, as well as how do we get everyone to engage with that coastline that we have that's so beautiful and yet is so important for bringing community together, something we talked about in the first segment, uh, families sometimes together, and just simply giving us a better quality of life. And so you and I have crossed 90 a number of times. Um, we've had that where we kind of get ourselves in that pace of, okay, that's 45 to 50. I, I see where that car is. It should be here in this amount of time. We're doing a mathematic equation almost to get across. And then that outlier shows up, like you described, who's doing 60. And they are on you very quickly. So it is a, it's a juggle, and it is sometimes very scary. Well, you guys have, have looked into this. It'd be interesting to know, how does, how does coastal Mississippi in Harrison County particularly, because that's what you're focused on, but I'm sure you know the statistics across the coast, but how right. do we stack up related to bike and pedestrian safety as it relates to the U.S. statistics? Um, our numbers are fairly low, but pedestrians and bikes are probably not more than 12% of our fatalities. But if it's my friend or my relative, it doesn't matter what those statistics are. It matters that it happened. And when we look at some of the things that could be done to correct it, we've looked at it. If you've been on 90, and many people have, the segments of the, of the sidewalk many times vary in width. We have some that are two feet. We have some that are 90 degree angles almost from the road. We have 12 feet. And so we've looked at as our committee, what would happen if you took that sidewalk and extended it to just give another six or eight feet for them to move out of the way of that vehicle should it come. You know, it only cost us as a state um, about $34 million for 26 miles to be completed. That doesn't sound like a lot. And if you break it down by county, it gets even more manageable. There doesn't seem to be an appetite for that. Um, interestingly enough to me, the 100th anniversary of the seawall is coming up in 2027. Wouldn't it be great to have this very visible 
safe sidewalk, boardwalk that folks could access the beach through and celebrate in 2027 with a really safe way to get there. Um, there's just so much that could be done. And yet, when we look at the fact that there's only a total of 13% of our fatalities that are pedestrian and bike riders, I guess we go to the lower end of the spectrum on the need scale. So, well, Cindy, one of the things that I've often talked about on the show, in fact, talked in detail about it last week, because I had Chuck Loftus on, who's, as you know, director of the Sand Beach Group and his, his team. They do such a great job with the beach. But it's our number one asset. And even after Katrina, once, once the debris was cleaned off, even though if you're facing south and the destruction is behind you, it was that what I often refer to in meetings, because I was, as you probably remember, chairman of the tourism effort for the Governor's Commission, I often said this, that that even though destruction was behind you, the view south was a reminder of why we had to bring this place back. I mean, it's our, it's our most important asset. The other thing you mentioned is that you know, there's actually two sidewalks here. We've got the sidewalk that is, that is part of the, the seawall that, that you mentioned and the opportunities to really enhance that. But then there's a sidewalk north in, in, in most cases. In some cases, obviously, there's not. But what I have found, actually, is that that is mostly not doable for the most part, especially on a bike, because it's not maintained. I mean, you've got growth through it. You've got areas where sand has covered it and other areas where... Uh, you know, the drop offs, you know, to, to cross from from one intersection to the other are dangerous. Um, yes. It just we haven't really. And by the way, that's it, that's where a lot of tourists and locals could actually walk. Um, uh, but this, but we're forced to sort of go across because it's not the best case scenario. That's something you've noted as well. Right. Right. We've done a lot of photography on some of these areas, sending some videos to folks. It is, uh, I mean, there's little things. For example, I didn't know until I encountered a lady in a wheelchair who did a, a walk, quote, quote, um, in her wheelchair six miles every day. And she said she had to go down to courthouse and park her van because she couldn't get across 90 because there's no ADA ramps at most of the intersections. And it's like, Okay, well, she lives on the bees, but she can't go down to bees because, A, there's no sidewalk, and then there's no ramp. So there are things that we've ignored or just couldn't do for whatever our excuse would be. This is Cindy Walker. She's the chair of the Active Living Initiative. And uh, my, my sense is we'll continue to have conversations as we go forward. As you have important stuff, let me know about it, and we'll have we'll continue the conversation. I love the work that you're doing, and thank you for joining me today, Cindy. Thanks so much. Have a great day. You too. We'll see you after this break. Broadcasting safe and sound from the coastal Mississippi studios, this is Coast View View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk 103.1. A Super Talk Mississippi media production. 